gripping. Got the Greek fires in there? Yeah. Oh, so sad. I think there was 70 dead. Uh, 75 at least. When I went to sleep last night, there were already 75 people. Well, sorry, 75 people. Dead in Burned Attica. to death in Greece. In it the started fires. the day after we left. Um, there just hasn't been any rain there at all. Well, the island where we stayed for a few days, it hadn't rained since February 5th. That's, it, that must be a Europe-wide thing. It's the same in Ireland, I and know. the grass is now gray. Or not gray, it's like that straw kind yeah. of color. Yeah, also, you know, there's been fires in England. Who's ever heard of a forest fire in England? Yeah. But there, how, last week there were brush fires in England. My sister lives in Sweden, uh, and they well, had to send, yeah. They Sweden's had to send really bad, Italy. actually. Yeah, yeah it, the fires in Sweden are a big deal, and, they're, and they're, some of them are above the Arctic Circle, which is also really? highly unusual. Yeah, yeah, okay big deal and also um there's a lot of heat in sweden it's very hot and there's a woman standing in a there's a woman there standing in a airplane not letting the airplane take off i saw that as well yeah the the brave woman aaron who refused to sit down until the afghan man was taken off the plane that's right and she said so perfectly to the people who were saying you're you're, look what you're, you're, you're upsetting all these people and you're ruining their trip. And she said, well, he's going to die. They're not. Can we start the show? Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay. Welcome, children. It is time for The Earth Wants You. Amen. An hour of trying to bring to the apocalypse some humor and music here with Savitri D. And I'm Reverend Billy. It's not funny, people. From the Church of Stop Shopping. You we're, can laugh, but it's not funny. We're trying to emerge from our jet lag here, which is, which is uh, the result of flying from Athens, Greece, to Newark, New Jersey. Let me offer you some advice. Remember, jet lag most resembles depression. You're not depressed. Nothing's wrong. You just have jet lag. I'm happy. I'm laughing a lot, but it, it, will it, pass. it might be it might be the laughter of a depressed person because it's kind of maniacal. <laughs> oh. You mean it's the end of the world? Oh. You mean the climate chaos is maniacal? Just, you mean there? Are, a hundred fires in Greece? No, baby. The maniacal just comes from entering the United States of maniacal. I mean, America. Yes. Where the Immigration Customs Service is pulling people from their living rooms. But guess what? We got checked through the border by a robot. A little robot with green eyes. And you know, <laughs> I didn't even speak to a <laughs> Is human. that right? Yeah. We... I don't even remember people, that. Tall white people with a child. We just walked across the border and talked to a robot. And we have a history of going to jail, protesting. We, I mean, we're not... We're not, li- we're not flat out terrorists. We're not lily white in the eyes of the <laughs> Republicans. <laughs> but I'm they let saying, us in. They let us in. The iniquities pile up. They are piling up here in the United States of Maniacal. And we're glad to be back and also terrified to be back. Things haven't changed. They've only gotten worse. And our, our visit to Athens was illuminating, transformational. It is an amazing city, an amazing culture. We learned so much. We were there three weeks uh, working with Greek 
singers who uh, joined the 14 people from the Stop Shopping Choir when, when, when they all came out and we had this big choir and we uh, sang up a storm together. I think some of our listeners heard their songs over the last couple of weeks. So you've been hearing the beautiful uh, singers of Athens on yeah, the I, show. I to, this is Killian Sunderman. Uh, yeah, I have to man the ship a little bit and introduce the song. So I'd say they're, they're very happy to have you guys back. Yeah. Instead of, <laughs> I played a lot of Irish music while you were gone. <laughs> Could you feel the? Oh, could you feel our our vast mega church missing us? Could you feel? The, yeah, I could sense it. Yeah, yeah, they were like, "Please stop playing trad, please." <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, coming back to New York, the sound of the city was wonderful. The 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 jazzy sounds of New York City brought a smile to my face, and that man on the subway yesterday who said, "All right." I was like, yes, that's the voice I want to hear. There's a, there's, right. a, there's, a, there's a kind of uh, uh, world-weary, just kind of relaxed, you know, kind of a DIY Buddhist kind of African-American, uh, seven-foot-tall man who, mm-hmm. who says, yeah. who, who looks you in the eye in the subway and says, it's all right. Yeah, and you know what? It's you don't right. get to hear that anywhere else. That is... That is the, that is the glorious sound. Of New glad York to City. have you know. Glad to be back here. Yeah. We have tomorrow, July twenty sixth. Thursday, Thursday, July twenty sixth. We have a very unusual uh, ritualistic protest called the uh, Deportee Suitcase March. Mm-hmm. The Deportee Suitcase March invites all of you to uh, pack. The kind of suitcase you would pack if a loved one was being deported. You're actually meant to imagine packing that suitcase and then bring a single object that you would put in that suitcase to the march tomorrow. And there will be many, many suitcases created by artists and we're creating an altar of suitcases and... Uh, it's a very beautiful, beautifully conceived event um, that came directly from experiences that activists and organizers had. When people were being deported, uh, they were helping friends pack suitcases. So when you're deported, you're given uh, one suitcase limit to take with you, and it can't, it can't weigh more than 25 pounds. So Sarah Gazzalo, who's been on our show a couple of times uh, from the New Sanctuary Coalition, uh, a friend called her and said, can you come and help me pack this suitcase? And Sarah had to stand there with the woman who was packing the suitcase for her husband. Um, and he was going to a place where he, he'd actually never lived. He'd never lived there. And she was trying to figure out what to put in the suitcase oh. for him. And Sarah was so moved by it. And it is very moving when you, when you just for a second think about it. So this whole event revolves around suitcases and imagining what it's really like to be separated from your loved ones. Um, So family separation is going on all around us. It's children, but it's also lovers, brothers, sisters, mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers. And this event is educational. There's a lot of teach-ins, but there's a lot of performance. And there's also this amazing altar of suitcases. This is in Foley Square, also called Federal Plaza, 42, uh, no, 26, 26 Federal Plaza. Most of us protesters know 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 it as Foley Square. Uh, we're meeting at five thirty Thursday, the twenty sixth. That is tomorrow, from where I sit. And we also invite you to make a video um, with the hashtag "What would you pack?" 
Uh, lots of people are making them, and you just sit down with it. Doesn't no big deal. Just make the video. Look into your share. iPhone and share what you would pack. Doesn't have to be an iPhone for a loved one. That's not product placement here. And no, I just no, want no. you to know we are not sponsored. selling iPhones, are we? No, that's uh, iPhones are. <sighs> there are a few of them around us, I must say, but the uh, let's not get into the rare ch- chemicals and minerals that. Um, children are exposed to and oh yeah so listen here's a couple of videos some from the stop shopping choir so um if i had a pack for my husband paul just one item it's a really hard thing to do um but the first thing that i thought of were these these slippers that i bought him what would i pack A book of great poetry, pen, paper. My wife were being deported and I had to pack a suitcase for her. That would be all that she got when she landed. I would first go through the apartment and find every inhaler I could find and put it in there to make sure that... If there was only one thing I could give my wife before she was deported, it would be... If I had to do just one thing, it would be this mug that my son and I made with his imaginary friend on one side and his favorite comic book character on the other. And we made this together. I would pack for my loved one a gold dollar. It's small, it's shiny, and it's a symbol of hope. I was trying to think of something that meant something for me and my wife. But all I kept coming back was her insulin, which she would need to survive. And if I had to pack a bag for her and I thought I may never see her again and I didn't know if anyone would be there to pick her up at the airport and take care of her, I would need to make sure that she stayed alive. So this would be my object. What would you pack? It's true to also think that everything you pack will be unpacked and searched and rummaged through and analyzed. And They'll take pictures? Those intimate spaces devoured by law enforcement. So join us tomorrow, July 26th, Thursday, 5.30 p.m. at Foley Square for the Suitcase Deportee Solidarity March. And uh, make yourself a video. Hashtag, what would you pack? And, and um, I believe it's time, is it not, Sobtree 4... News from the natural world. That's right. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Global Witness annual figures show at least 207 land and environmental activists were killed in 2017 across 22 countries, almost four a week, making it the worst year on record. The report shows a huge rise in killings linked to consumer products, brutal attacks on those defending their land from destructive agriculture, such as land grabs for palm oil used in household goods like soap and coffee are on the rise. Severe limits on the data available mean the global total is probably much higher. Murder is the most egregious example of a range of tactics used to silence earth defenders, including death threats, arrests, intimidation, cyber attacks, sexual assaults, and lawsuits. Sweden is experiencing its hottest July in at least 260 years. 
while Northern Ireland and Wales typically an especially fresh rainy fringe to the already fresh and rainy British Isles <laughs> experience their hottest June temperatures on record. This stretch of hot weather doesn't have an end in sight just yet with highs expected to reach far past 90 degrees Fahrenheit across large sections of Northern Europe during the next week. Unusual heat represents a particular public health danger in Northern European cities, many of which are ill-equipped to deal with its effects. The average July high in Stockholm, for example, is usually 74 degrees Fahrenheit. This week, temperatures will crest 90. And there are 21 wildfires currently blazing across Sweden during its worst drought in 75 years. In the UK, severe dry conditions have also fed wildfires. Earlier this month, a large section of the grassy meadows at Wanstead Flats on London's eastern edge burnt to ash, only to reignite again during another fire yesterday. This summer, parts of the London region have received only 6% of their normal rainfall, leaving parks brown and reservoirs dry. At least 75 people have died in the Attica region of Greece after gale-force winds spread wildfire across roadways and through towns, and all the way down to the sea where people sheltered from the fires. The government of Colombia has committed to ending deforestation in its cocoa supply chain by 2020. The National Cocoa Federation and one of the country's largest chocolate producers, Casa Lucer, have also joined Colombia in this commitment. That's great. The world's oceans will be more acidic by the end of this century, more acidic by the end of this century than at any time in the past 14 million years due to the impact of human-induced climate change. And the mercury... The mercury reached nearly 106 degrees Fahrenheit in Kumagaya, a city northwest of Tokyo, with no end in sight for a heat wave that is already two weeks old. Humanity is devouring our planet's resources in increasingly destructive volumes, according to a new study that reveals we have consumed a year's worth of carbon, food, water, fiber, land, and timber in a record 212 days. As a result, the Earth Overshoot Day, which marks the point at which consumption exceeds the capacity of nature to regenerate, has moved forward two days to August 1st, the earliest date ever recorded. To maintain our current appetite for resources, we would need the equivalent of 1.7 Earths. Wait a minute, is this just, are you making this up? No. The Interior Department on Thursday proposed the most sweeping set of changes in decades to the Endangered Species Act, the law that brought the bald eagle and the Yellowstone grizzly back from the edge of extinction. The proposed revisions have far-reaching implications, potentially making it easier for roads, pipelines, and other construction projects to gain approvals under the current rules. One change, for instance, would eliminate long-standing language that prohibits considering economic factors when deciding whether or not a species should be protected. The agency also intends to make it more difficult to shield species like the Atlantic sturgeon that are considered threatened, which is the category one level beneath the most serious one, endangered. Global investment in renewable energy fell 7% last year to 318 billion US dollars and is expected to drop again in 2018. Amen. How can that be? A major U.S. pediatrics association is warning that many chemicals used to color, preserve, or package food pose dangers to children and that the regulatory system must be overhauled to protect young people. In a statement published on Monday, the American Academy of Pediatrics says evidence is mounting about health risks, including obesity and hormone disruption linked to commonly used chemicals found in everything from plastic wrap to metal cans and packaged food, and especially people throw them away right now, your Teflon pans, get rid of them. 
an international team of researchers. Throw them away where? In, in landfill somewhere? Just don't cook for your children with those pans. An, in t- an international team of researchers produced a map of the terrestrial lands managed or owned by indigenous peoples across the globe, which allowed them to assess the extent to which indigenous peoples' stewardship and global conservation values intersect. The researchers determined that indigenous people have ownership and use or management rights over more than a quarter. This is good news, people. More than a quarter of the world's land surface, close to 38 million square kilometers, spread across 87 countries and overlapping with about 40% of all terrestrial protected areas on Earth. One particularly remarkable finding of the research was the extent to which lands controlled by indigenous people have remained untouched by development. About half of the global terrestrial environment can be classified as human-dominated, the study states. Based on that measure of human influence, the researchers estimate that indigenous people's lands account for 37% Mm. of all remaining natural lands on the earth. Mm. We found that about two-thirds of indigenous, indigenous lands are essentially natural. That is more than double the proportion for other lands. So, Earth for those of you who don't believe in private property, and I count myself among them, <laughs> just know that indigenous people care for the land. And so, if you don't believe in property, okay, I get it. But if you want stewards for the land, it's the indigenous people, clearly. They know how to leave it alone. Research reveals that the scent of coffee alone may help people perform better on the analytical portion of the Graduate Management Aptitude Test, a computer adaptive test required by many business schools. So if you want to do well on a test, just make some coffee in the next room and you will do better on the test. (laughs) Killian, that's for you. From the northern Himalayas to the sandy palm-fringed beaches in the south, 600 million people, nearly half India's population, face acute water shortage with close to 200,000 dying each year from polluted water. I want to apologize for just that outburst of, did you make this up? You know, the part of our show that really people need to believe in the in the veracity. Okay, but what were we even talking of, about? What was the you know, thing you doubted? You were in the middle of you were in the middle of reciting your 17th straight country that had 98 degree Fahrenheit and everything was birth, bursting into flames. And I suddenly had this vision. No, no, oh, no. this is like this is like Blade Runner. This is like no, it was the this Earth. is like a 50s science fiction movie. <laughs> no, no, it was uh, the Earth Overshoot. We're day. making this all up. It's, yeah, it's that was uh, the Earth Overshoot day, which is a really interesting way of checking out our relationship to the natural resources of the Earth. You know, and how to get in balance. You know, balance your checkbook and also balance your resource use. I have I have just one thing to say. It's not a criticism, but the islands that you referred to earlier on in the news that were receiving a lot of heat are actually called the the British and Irish Isles. <laughs> it's uh, it's a common I'm misconception. So I was at a show just last <laughs> week in New York, and the guy accidentally called them the name that you called them. If you want to use a politically correct term, it's the Northwestern European Archipelago. Oh yes, I'm so sorry, or Killian. Just those islands. I'm so sorry, Killian. Did you leap up and interrupt that proceeding the other day and embarrass us all? Did and you? if I should have issued Ireland, a Ireland, warning, Ireland. You know, every time I try to talk about England or Britain or the UK or Ireland around certain friends of mine, I have to. They've been giving us the shaft for 700 warning. years. I have to give a trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. I'm going to say Britain. I might say United <laughs> Kingdom. I might say England. A top of the morning to you. <laughs> Killian, My I am friend. so sorry. It's okay. I'm Killian. working on it. 800 Amen. years. 
I'm Irish too. I wanted to, you know, after after the news from the natural world today, for some reason, I wanted to remind our mega church, hello, that this is the church of stop shopping and has been for 20 years. We we believe that consumerism, which is the cultural arm of capitalism, uh, needed to be stopped a long time ago, and today it needs to be it needs to be stopped in the next five minutes. Consuming is the problem. Mm. Stop shopping. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let me just point out that, that that doesn't just mean the individual stop shopping because actually it's the big shipping companies and the extractive industries and this is not a, a w- this will not be uh, remedied by ethical shopping ethical shopping or perfect behavior on the part of each individual that is not enough uh, i mean please be ethical because it's the right thing to be but don't imagine that well the thinking the thinking in the church of stop shopping there. is that system change if baby. we change how we live we will be com- compassionately political. We will, if we uh, uh, stop our involvement in this hypnotic world of consumerism, which is not normal and does not leave us clear in the mind and the soul, when we, when we do stop, we will turn to the fossil fuel people and the weapons makers and the and and the, the the big transportation outfits and so forth that are pouring well, toxins it, right, into the like atmosphere. I'd like to return to another news item. You know, the, the study of indigenous peoples and and how much land uh, control they have, and the 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 incredible re- result is that so much of their land is undeveloped, undeveloped. So when you drive across the American West, you see land and nothing's happening to it. You think there's some land over there, and you know what? When you see land like that, that isn't fenced, that isn't farmed, that isn't grazed, that isn't, you know, developed. Chances are. Chances it's are. That is Native American land. And there's something to learn from that. And not just about land, but about life itself, that we don't have to develop We each don't have moment. to produce, produce, produce. Right. Or, and consume, consume, consume. Which leads us to our incredible work in Athens. Tourists against Trump. We made the determination... Uh, this largely comes from the brain of our divinity director, Savitri D. Uh, that this Wait, sector. Do you mean divine? Or I'm the divine director? You are the goddess. Thank you. Uh, and you came up with the idea that this most depoliticized, largely Republican uh, band of drifting bovine. Hey, uh, hey, 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 back I'm it up, so, back so, it up, back it up. No, I love tourists, and I am, I am a tourist. Back it up. I am a tourist. Back it up. Back it up. I'm sorry. Back it up. I, 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 back it up. <laughs> Listen to me. That was capitalism, a lashing out at capitalism tourists. Capitalism has created uh, sorry. two kinds of people. Capitalism <laughs> has forced us into two lanes. One, the lane of the migrant. The lane of the migrant. The mm-hmm. other the lane of the tourist. And this is how we move through the world now. We are, all of us, either tourists or migrants. So it's not that they're Republican or bovine or herded or wandering. Back it up. 
because you're a tourist. I take it all back. I'm a I'm, tourist. I'm so embarrassed. Killian's a tourist. Shame on you for judging I, I feel shame. the tourist. Because you know what? A tourist is invented by a capitalist system that forces a tourist to be a tourist. There is no other way to move through the world at this point. And if you are a tourist, if you are armed with a wallet and a credit card and a debit card and some cash, you know what? You're not free either. Amen. Amen. Back it up. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm backing up as fast as I can. I, I want to, uh, 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 I want to say that the, the, uh, the culmination of our three weeks in Greece uh, was a march which we led from Syntagma Square down through the shopping district of Hermes Street, Ermu Street, to the uh, Monasteraki Market below the Parthenon, if you can picture that. And uh, we had this great big sign uh, that Salvatore and Donald and Gregory from the choir created, and it it uh, said hashtag tourists against tr against Trump, um, and we sang and marched uh, and gospel high stepped our way. Uh, it's about a mile or so uh, from the one square to the other, and uh, tourists and migrants mixed together in our procession. At one point, we were stopped by a busking brass band uh, and uh, started a party, and there was uh, dancing by m more people from more different places around the world at that party. We'll post it on RevBilly.com, mm -hmm. post it on our we site. We are tourists, we <laughs> are tourists, we are everywhere. Tourists, tourists against Donald Trump. Trump. We are tourists. We are tourists. So they were all laughing and loving their their proclamation uh, that they were free of this this this. I think what they were all seeing in their mind's eye was those children in those cages uh, along the border of Texas, um, placed there by the Immigration Customs Enforcement cops. Um, it is an image that has gone around the world. We've discovered, we don't, we don't see its edge yet. We have not found people that are not, they do, that do not have the children in cages in, in their souls right now. Mm -hmm. It may be that kind of thing uh, that changes everything. It may be, it's not going away. That lady on the Swedish airplane who wouldn't sit down and, and reclaimed that man from Afghanistan, got him off that jet, uh, the courage that is welling up in so many different places, that is an image that everybody has, that everybody shares. It might be like in 1958, the fire hoses and dogs in Birmingham uh, or the, uh, the, the flower man of Tiananmen Square, the napalm girl in 1973 in, in Vietnam, uh, an image that people hold, share, and it makes action possible. I hope that's true. I want that to be true. I think, you know, we have always talked about the, the, the fastest way to look away from marketing and advertising is to look into someone else's eyes. And what we saw that day was even more interesting than 
me looking into your eyes right now because what we what? saw were tourists looking into the eyes of migrants in this urban space, in this commodified, consumerized, depoliticized oh, space. Man. And for me, that was very moving, you know, just the, the possibility of that, which at this point, you know, we're, it, policy change seems distant. Uh, system change, I don't know, distant too. So how, what can we change every day? You know, well, we can change our relationships. We can make new relationships. Mm -hmm. We can uh, discover things in the people right around us. We can do that work now. The walls come tumbling down if we reach into each other's. Yeah, yeah. So Tourists Against Trump, which is a global social movement, uh, we welcome you to join it. Please, if you're a tourist this summer, and I know you are, <laughs> make your Tourists Against Trump sign. And, and walk with it and see who joins you. We were amazed at who joined us and how many people joined us. So uh, we'll be having a march probably this weekend here in New York City and then on all of our travels in the foreseeable future. Um, do it. Tourists Against Trump. Oh, and here's a song. Thrill to it. We sang at the end here, down there below the Parthenon. Here's the Stop Shopping Choir acapella in a crowd of people. Greece, the Stop Shopping Choir, Thrill to It, one of our most recent songs. You just have to imagine a thousand uh, tourists and refugees uh, singing yeah. this with us. Yeah, in this uh, very just ancient last week place. In yeah. Athens, Greece. It's amazing. You look up and there's the, this 4,000 year old structure. The Parthenon right above us. Yeah, it's amazing <laughs> memory. Greek culture is very strong and very resilient. And it was remarkable to be in a place where you, you felt that the monoculture just simply couldn't. Well, Ireland is similar. You couldn't or wouldn't take hold. No, no. Coca-Cola stopped in it its tracks. It, 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 Greek culture is stronger. Yeah. It's yeah. like Coney Island. Same thing. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that, that Greece has burst into flames like so many countries oh uh, in our news in the natural world today. There are more than 100 uh, fires and are going on right now. All over the American um, West as well. Yeah. In Greece, more than 75 dead. Um, Wildfire is truly terrifying. 
Um, we were fortunate enough to interview Daniel Wetzel in Athens. Daniel is the co-founder of Rimini Protocol, uh, a German Berlin-based theater company. They are often described as the inventors of a new form of documentary theater, exploring a theater of performers who are not professional actors, but experts or specialists out of their particular spheres of life. Uh, so they're professionals of a theater of the real world. And instead of presenting actors performing characters as parts of drama text, they present people whom they find through elaborate research and casting procedures and with whom they develop theater performances according to their abilities and skills to convincingly and strongly present themselves. Um, and very prolific company, so much work over the last 20 years. Uh, and Daniel sat down with us in Athens and talked about um, that work just Amen. a few days ago. Daniel Wetzel. Welcome, Daniel. Thank, thanks for being with us today. Our traditional first question for all of our interviewees. Daniel, what is your favorite place on Earth? It's in the arms of somebody that loves me. Wow. Okay. Uh, is it required that you also love them? I'd, it must be mutual, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. In our years of doing this radio show, that's the first time that that answer was, and you didn't hesitate. You knew exactly what your favorite place on earth was. Let's talk a little bit about Rimini Protocol and your work uh, in the theater. Um, tell us the original concept behind that. Well, we are a team of three, and we're not a team. We're actually a bunch. Um, we met about 20... I work with her since about 25 years, and uh, together we work since about 19 years. And... Um, we don't have a hierarchy. Uh, that means we always work, um, let's say, in a, we we're trying to coordinate um, a bunch of ideas that develops um, in the one project, but also the projects inspire each, each other. We work in different constellations, solo and couple constellations with others mm -hmm. and the three of us. So it's a bit chaotic. That's why we also call it a protocol, because it actually continues writing its own mm -hmm. history. Um, we do theater. Uh, we, we come from basically from theater studies, but we came, all of us, we met there actually with the presumption that theater as we know it doesn't quite make sense to us, uh, that the entire structure of representation as we know it with actors performing others uh, in front of an audience that looks upwards is not the structure that should be you know in the focus of what theater is about amen uh it's about um what is it um it's a gathering since the ancient times and it has to do by the way with processions a lot since the ancient times so walking the city and theater are actually totally connected since the ancient times mm -hmm. um building a structure for the theater is then younger but uh, yeah here in athens is the uh, let's say the first theater for tragedies and comedies that has been built and yeah the procession there and the walking there and also what you see from there mm -hmm. um, they mm -hmm. were all very important it was not isolated by a roof or something mm -hmm. it's part of it's an urban thing a, a part of the um, of the society so 
um, at the moment it's very much about <clears throat> inventing, trying out uh, whatever is possible to keep this alive and active and to just make sense with uh, theater forms. So one of the things you're known for is uh, taking non-actors um, and people with regular lives, like we all have a regular life somehow, and putting them on stage together and telling a larger story uh, with them as the players. Um, how did you decide to do that? Uh, that, was, that was the initial thing that we had in common when we met um, and in terms of interest uh, there had been in, in a performance that Hegel and I and Markus, a uh, fellow um, friend of us, uh, did um, once really 25 years ago uh, we made the experience that what we were doing uh, like we were performers and we wanted to establish another operating system for the theatre without uh, representation in the centre. So we had a lot of things to do, but we didn't speak, we didn't have text mm -hmm. or so. And um, in that particular performance, we had two candles and I was supposed to blow them out with a scratching on the vinyl uh, through the bass speakers. But because we had fire on stage, there were also firefighters. And uh, they had to be present because the candles were left and right on the stage. They had to be present left and right, but behind the, <laughs> behind the curtains. Behind the right. curtains. And so we asked them, would you maybe just move in one meter? So <laughs> be that a we, part of the show. Yeah, just so that we see fire needs protection, you know. Requires, uh, because they had this fantastic uniform and, <laughs> and everything. Right. They were a great show. Right. They were like, okay, why not? And then the next level was to say, okay, as you sit next to the candle, would you mind like putting fire and light on them again, like I scratch them off and then you have to put light on them, light them again and off, on, off, mm -hmm. off, uh, on, off. It was about that. They said, okay, yeah, why not? <laughs> so as we say in German, I don't know if you say it in English, they stole our show. Mm -hmm. Like they, it was, they were there all the time, mm -hmm. the 45 minutes, but mm -hmm. they were the main focus. Whatever we did with Kafka and the Chinese <laughs> yeah. wall, it was all not so important. <laughs> so in a way that was the birth minute yeah. for us because why? If I had actors there in the uniform of a firefighter, you would understand that straight away and you would not find it... Uh, you would think about the meaning mm -hmm. and people did not think about the meaning. They would rather think about the event. Mm -hmm. They would rather... Uh, understand the tension between what was art and what was them. Mm -hmm. And so we called them expert because even just by them being there and putting light on a candle, uh, you would understand they do this as firefighters. And so <clears throat> they do this as experts. And you understand there's a mm -hmm. difference between acting. And an actor would have asked, how do I do it? What's my motivation? <laughs> and uh, what's the name of my mother? All of these things. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, the beginning of, of uh, you've done this process in over what, 25 cities around the world? You mean the 100% the 100 city project where you have 100 people from a community on stage and they are there uh, self-cast, right? You have them find each other, is that right? You have them find... they. At the end of the process, they represent perfectly the statistical truth of that community in terms of gender and race and occupation and so forth and so on. They, they're a living, a living pie chart of all the types in the... But explain how you have them find each other. They cast each other. You, they go out and find each other, don't they? 
Well, um, there's two concepts. The one is that we ask uh, the city for for its uh, about its updated numbers, and uh-huh. so we take five criteria. That's already pretty tough. Uh, so occupation is, is one of the hidden criteria that we also try to cover, like in the background. Uh-huh, right. But the first are like the the obvious are gender, um, nationality, um, um, age groups, in which district people uh, live, and household composition. Do you live alone? Do you live uh, together with some, with how many and so on? And then we try to cover also other aspects in terms of wealth, in terms of occupation, um, in terms of uh, who people would vote for, for example. Depends a bit on the city and with what uh, numbers you can work and what's the overall atmosphere. That's the one thing. So we have a grid and that has to be filled up as accurate as possible. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that we said, okay, let's make it uh, a chain reaction. That means we cast number one. This number one normally has to do with generating these numbers. That means comes from the st- statistic bureau very often represents the statistic bureau mm-hmm. being head of the statistic bureau. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the the person from the power of numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also a construction, of course, statistics about the city. Yeah. Um, and so we, we want to be very clear, this is auto, also artificial, but this is what we refer to right, uh, right. in the West. You know, don't try to find statistics in Beirut. Mm-hmm. It's not possible to have statistics like that there. You would have to go to ask the mobile phone companies, for example, mm-hmm. if you would like right. to have <laughs> accurate numbers. So and the, this uh, chain reaction, then we try to monitor it. That means people should recommend the next uh, person. And we invite them, think about not, okay, bring your child, bring your buddy, bring your friend. But if people uh, are more creative, they they might also have the chance to invite somebody, invite somebody with who they would like to make an experience or bring your dentist is also an option, you know. Then we made some experiences that you, you I mean, it's not so obvious, but in a way you never invite Upwards. Mm. That means workers would not invite their boss. Mm. Oh wow! Mm. They would oh. not do this. They would not take the risk of because you you take some sort of a responsibility mm-hmm. uh, for what do I Will bring happen. that person yeah. in? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. and there we have to interfere anyway. So it's like um, there are also uh, interruptions uh, that people just don't don't manage to find somebody and say just you know take this off me. I participate. Exactly. You know. Exactly. So it's a combination of us. Um, kind of pin spotting and trying to find specific people and 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 people that they bring bring along family members friends colleagues finally daniel i'd like to ask you you live in athens uh you're german um how is athens affecting you and your work well uh i'm here for biographical reasons it just happened but um uh, i enjoy very much to have kind of made a step aside I come from Berlin, our office in Berlin, we, we, we're head, you know, based in Berlin, and uh, there's so much, uh, such a high-speed development in what is performance, what is arts, and so on. And um, from here, everything looks a bit different. Um, people go with a different, um, say, set of needs and ex- expectations to a theatre, mm-hmm. uh, to, to see shows. They, in a very different way, ask, okay, what, what does that have to do with me? You know, um, why is this so abstract? Or what? You know, it's much more, uh, really, more connected to uh, an emotion that people want to have. 
uh, and that they want to have again or it's it's really a different audience also in this whole game uh, austerity game that was where the main players in the media were uh, Greece and Germany opposing uh, it was quite important I guess uh, uh, that people have been moving between the two countries mm -hmm. so um, it is important again experience it's just important uh, that there's people that then can also say guys it's not like that for example the stupid cliche that people would work less here is so stupid mm -hmm. i mean uh, just just in the field of theater what i see is that people that they are in that field they have two jobs and do theater mm -hmm. uh, but also doctors work 16 17 hours you can't imagine, apart from hospitals a doctor in, in norway would not do that even theater assistants after six hours, they go to their yoga, you know. <laughs> I've made that experience, that they were astonished that mm. I expected them after five to be kind of available for just, you know, on the phone. Yeah. They thought, wait, 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 six hours, and I close my phone. Uh, I, no, I did not answer your call because I had, you know, leisure time. Um, yeah. That cliche, for example, but... Um, uh, so I, uh, it's like a step in another um, country is very important that many people do that. I think uh, we should, let's say, migrate more often and we should visit it, visit it other, uh, more often. I think that the more we get an, the impression that we know what's happening mm -hmm. through, through images that are available 24-7 on, on your palm, basically. Mm -hmm. You can see the world on your palm, you mm -hmm. think. Mm -hmm. But that's wrong. The more you get that, the more there's actually the need to visit. Mm. Amen. Yeah, the taxi driver, I said we were here performing in a festival, and he said, oh, me, I'm in the survival festival. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, thank you so yeah. much. Thank, thank you. Daniel. Thank you. And praise your chorus. I really, 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 really liked what you do. Earth Aluya, we really admire your work, and we're so gl glad you talked to us. You are listening to The Earth Wants You. And that was Daniel Wetzel of Rimini Protocol, a theater company based in Berlin. Check out their work. It's really, really wonderful. I want to play for you another song. Uh, this, this was recorded on, on the top of a hill, uh, looking out at the Parthenon, the Acropolis. Uh, just a few minutes after the last song, we walked up the hill with the Greek singers who had joined us across the week. It was Faye's birthday, and we sat with a group of Greek musicians, and they played this ancient music for us in this ancient place. And uh, it was a night none of us will ever forget. Thank you. 
And you're listening to The Earth Wants You, a project of the Church of Stop Shopping, your hosts, Savitri D., and I'm Reverend Billy. And that was um, a group of Greek singers and uh, the finger drum and the lyre on the hill below the Parthenon, in the dark, in the trees, looking up at this glowing um, amazing memory of the birthplace of democracy. We are just returned from Greece here. This is our first radio show after getting back. And now it is time for Extinction's Got Talent. Right. The great Indian bustard is a bustard. <laughs> What kind of Indian bird is that? <laughs> it's a large bird with a horizontal body and long bare legs, giving it an ostrich-like appearance. The bird is among the heaviest of the flying birds, once common on the dry plains of the Indian subcontinent. As few as 115 individuals were estimated this year. The species is critically endangered by hunting and loss of habitat. Uh, this year, researchers have observed just a single male bird, a juvenile too young to mate, at the Bustard's traditional breeding grounds in the Kutch district of the Indian state of Gujarat. This youngster is the only male to visit the grassland site in some time. No adult breeding males have been observed on their known breeding territories in the last two years. Oh. So originally this was going to be the the national bird of India, but then people were so afraid that they would call it the, not the bustard, but the, you know, the other word that sounds like bustard. No, I don't mean duster. No. <laughs> mustard. <clears throat> no, not mustard. You're losing your radio, <clears throat> your radio voice. In any case, let's listen to the sound of the great Indian mustard. Bustard. That's it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard to find recordings of such a rare animal. The great Indian bustard. We have the sensation of growing silence, the rising seas, fires everywhere. The tragedies have been isolated from each other in the past by the frame that is given to these climate events, these extreme events, the frame by our media, by our storytelling apparatus, by how we report to each other. It's this one thing over here, and then it's this other thing over here. And that's a hurricane, and that's a tornado. The scandal of the single event, the scandalization is a standard narrative form that works for the evening news, and the earth becomes a kind of menacing delinquent that has made a mistake and done something bad. The human interest stories are overlaid on top of that. There's a helicopter pilot who takes a young blonde daughter and her Irish setter off the roof of their house as it floats down the river. The issuance of cute, heartwarming, 
stories overlays the tragedy. And we saw this happen in New York City with the Hurricane Sandy. It was dissolved into digestible nuggets of information. Now what is happening? There are fires in every country. Now what is happening? It's 100 degrees everywhere. Now the floods, the fires, superstorms, the 200-mile-an-hour winds, it's starting to become so dense in the landscape that it is starting to become that thing that scientists started warning us about 10 and 20 years ago, this uninhabitable landscape that no longer services this predational species, you and I. Where does that leave us? It's starting to become like future shock where you can't pick an item off the conveyor belt because the conveyor belt's going too fast. You ever heard of future shock? The earth is starting to become something that we just shrink from. We get back into our air-conditioned houses and close the door. That is a mistake. Now is the time that we need to make new ways of communicating to each other and to the earth about what is happening. Now is the time of new culture. All the old art forms, all the old advertising, the ways that products are sold to us, all the language systems that have been building up over the centuries, they need to break down now. We need to step out into the new. We need to reinvent ourselves for a completely new time. We need to evolve into the earth as the earth really forces us to evolve. We need to survive or not. We have that choice. We can do it, people. But it's an enlightened and it's an utterly new world that we step into now. We've created it. We have to live with it. Let's do it. Earthaluya. Earthaluya. You've been listening to The Earth Wants You with Reverend Billy and Savitri D, our producer Killian Sunderman. Oh,